if it does happen, it's going to be because of monetary policy. It's going to be for government actions. It's going to be for interest rates. It's going to be stuff outside of the, the natural supply and demand that would drive a market. And, and so my thing is, if that happens, it's going to be short-lived. Yeah. Because we're not in a housing bubble. If anything, we're in a people bubble. What's going on, everybody? It's Jamel Gibbs, your family-oriented entrepreneur. Welcome to the Business and Investing Podcast, where you learn all things business and investing related. So today, there's a lot going on in the market. We're going to talk about the pending foreclosure tsunami that may or may not happen. <laughs> we'll talk about some creative real estate investing. We'll talk about what's working right now in today's market and what you need to be doing in order to take advantage of the opportunities that's in the market right now. A lot of doom and gloom, a lot of hype in the market. Is it valid? That's what we'll find out today. And we're going to find out by my man, Matt Terriel. What's up, my man? What's up, Jamel? Good to see you again, buddy. Likewise, man. Now, Matt has a YouTube channel as well. Make sure you check it out, Epic Real Estate Investing. Great channel. Uh, I follow the channel myself. Matt's a good friend of mine. We've been friend for, friends for a couple of years now, yep. and um, we think a lot alike. And I was just telling him that before we jumped on the line. Uh, we do a lot of things alike, and I can tell from every conversation that I have with him, plus by the content, the type of content that he actually puts out. So I highly recommend uh, checking his uh, channel out. I'll make sure to link it in the description box if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening to this on a podcast, uh, make sure you go to Epic Real Estate Investing on YouTube as well. Matt, man, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, brother? Sure. And, and thanks for having me. And thanks for that nice introduction and recommendation. I appreciate you. And I think about the same thing. I follow you too. And I, I just started following you on TikTok. I just learned how that works. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, hey, Jamil's posting all the time. Maybe I should do this too. And uh, so I'm up on TikTok and with all the kids, right? But I guess it's all the adults <laughs> now too. Yeah, man, I'm trying to learn it myself, man. It, TikTok is they say they say it's pretty easy, but uh, I haven't figured it out yet. So me hopefully you know what? Time. I just got back from a ten day road rally. I got uh, my buddy has this really high performance Mercedes Benz, and he were, he invited me last January to go on this road. I rally. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know we drove from Las Vegas. There's a hundred cars, a hundred of these supercars. We drove from Las Vegas to Miami, and wow, ten days. Yeah, it was it was. It was crazy, but the reason I'm even bringing this up is because there was one uh, TikTok star on there. Uh, she's a 22-year-old girl. She has like 10 million followers, and they gave her a free Lamborghini just to drive through the rally and take pictures at each location and post them oh on TikTok. Oh, my goodness, man. I was and like, she gets to keep it. And like, uh, it's hers. Yeah, it's hers. Bright, <laughs> bright, bright fluorescent pink. It was... Uh, I was like, gosh, I'm not doing the TikTok thing right. I need my free Lambo. <laughs> but anyway. No doubt, man. Get the free Lambo. <laughs> yep. Yep. But um, yeah, so real quickly, I mean, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I spent the next, you know, 15 years of my life or so in the music business. I had a small little hip hop label. We had major label distribution. And then Napster came along and turned that whole industry upside down. So I basically had to start from scratch at age 34. Um, I really missed my money. I didn't know what I was going to do next. I ended up bagging groceries for about six months while I tried to figure that out. Got to keep the lights on. That's right, man. Found out as a out-of-work entertainment entrepreneur, there wasn't a whole lot of demand for people like me in the market, and yeah. especially when there are like 10,000 more of us all in the market looking for jobs too. 
But uh, the grocery store manager, of all people, he was 34 years old, the same age as me at the time, so we related in that sense. But he'd been pushing carts there since he was 16, so he's only two years away from receiving his pension. He's going to get 70% of his salary for the rest of his life. Wow. And, you know, I was like, gosh, I'm starting from scratch, and this guy's almost done, is what I was thinking. And he said, you know, Matt, this is what I've been able to do and why I'm able to quit this early is, uh, you know, along the way, I've, I've been able to purchase a few apartment buildings. And he had this like portfolio, like this notebook. Like we didn't, I mean, I was, did I even have a cell phone that took pictures at the time? I don't even think I did. And uh, he laid them all out. Here's my pretty buildings and this is how much it makes. And it's actually going to produce more passive income than my pension that I've been working here for 18 years, 20 years for. And he said these words to me and, and I've said them a million times since. And I keep giving him credit for it because they were transformational words. He said, real estate is the final frontier where the average person has a legitimate shot at creating real wealth. And, you know, at that point in my life, I was feeling far below average. And uh, so I was looking for something. And he said, legitimate shot. So I was like, okay, this is realistic and creating real wealth. So that's what I was looking for. And, you know, long story short, I did what I thought the logical thing to do was to go get a real estate license. Because that's, I think, where a lot of people think they're supposed to begin. Right. It only took about four years to realize I was sitting on the wrong side of the desk. And uh, I wasn't working for profit. I wasn't building wealth. I was working for commissions. And uh, I'm a slow learner sometimes, I think. But uh, once I figured it out, I made this transition or I made this decision not to make uh, I was no longer going to represent anybody else on the buys or the sells of their property. And I was just going to represent myself. I was going to buy on my own behalf. And so I found a great educational program. I, I made a huge investment into it. At the time, I'm making a, it was like a $22,000 investment into that education program. And people thought I was nuts. They thought I was asking, so you're going to get a degree? You're going to get a certificate? You know, you get a license. They have a job placement program. Like I had all these questions for myself. Like, nope, this is just for me to learn how to do this. And people just thought I was insane. That's kind of like common thing today. I mean, everyone spends 25, 30, 40 grand on their education. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I just did what they well, told me to do. And within, I wonder what those people are saying now, though, man. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what? You just said that. My best friend went to go do this with me. And we went and we got student loans from Chase. I think Chase was giving yeah. Bank of America. Student loans. And this wasn't even an accredited school, but they were still giving student loans for this. And uh, we both got our loans and I plopped it down on my education. I had a few bucks left over to at least get started. And he went off and paid bills and bought rims for his car. Oh. And I was just like, oh my God, I thought we were gonna do this together. And I was, I mean, he's still my best friend. But I've been loaning him money ever since. Wow. Yeah. And I'm not really alone. I just give it to him. I don't expect it back. But yeah. you know what I mean. But yeah, I mean, you, you have that decision. What are you going to do with it? Do you invest in yourself or, you know? And that's kind of what people are doing right now, right? We were talking about this yep. before we started recording. Is people are nervous. People are scared. And they're holding on to their money. And they're, they're, um, they're playing it really safe. And they're paying down debt, which is not a terrible thing historically speaking, but in the environment we're in right now, if you're just holding on your money and you're not making it move and you're not really managing the velocity of your money, you are losing every single day. Yep. Say it louder for the people in the back, man. <laughs> yes. You are losing every day. I mean, I just got a, a notice from, I have this one online bank account and uh, I originally uh, put money into that bank account like four years ago because they were offering a 1.8% uh, interest rate. Mm -hmm. And when everybody else was like sub one and uh, I think I can do that. So as soon as the pandemic hit and the interest rates dropped, they said, okay, you're dropped down to like point 
six with everybody else, every other bank. I just got a notification from them, an email like two weeks ago saying, hey, good news. We've upped your interest rate back up to 1.3%. And I was and like, good news. yeah, it's great news. Y'all know inflation is 8.6% though, right? <laughs> so I am losing, that money in that account is losing 7% a year. Man. So you're, I know you're in you're in crypto. You're you're in some stocks yeah. right now, mainly in real estate. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of talks about a foreclosure tsunami that's going to come, and a lot of negative news in the, in the, in the market. Right. I personally don't see it happening. I think that certain markets will see a small correction, uh, maybe mm -hmm. a 15, 20 percent correction, but I don't think it's going to be a nationwide issue. Uh, I, I do believe real estate is very local, so you got to see what's happening in, in your local area mm -hmm. and adjust accordingly. But I don't see a huge dip in pricing. I don't see a huge opportunity that everybody else is talking about, man. How do you feel about that? No, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the economy is certainly administering or doling out pain to people, right? People are hurting. That, that's no, uh, no doubt about that. For sure. Um, is it going to be enough pain for them to be, have to sell their house in some sort of distressed discount? I don't know. I don't know. It depends on how many refis they did during the, the pandemic, I guess. Yeah, we don't have a crystal ball, man. I can see there being a slight correction with the people who maybe over the last six months who overpaid for real estate. Uh, mm -hmm. Even then, I, I really can't see because there's so much equity in these houses, man. I, I really can't see... 2008 repeating itself and right. that's what a lot of people are positioning right now i just i, I don't know if i agree with that man Here's the, no, i absolutely don't agree with that if it does crash right. it's not going to be for the same reason that's that's a hundred percent i do official crash yeah i do have a, a crystal ball for that one because in, in 2007 <laughs> you know we had more houses than people we overbuilt Right. And that's what created a housing bubble. And then we also had really um, unscrupulous lending practices, so it made it available for everybody to buy one. So that's what created the 2007 crash. Today, yeah. it's the exact opposite. We have re had really tight lending practices over the last decade. So mm -hmm. the, the banks are sitting on the best book of business they probably ever sat on in the entire history of their franchise or their companies. And we've now got many more people than we got houses. Yep. So those two things, that's not a precondition for a crash. So if it does happen, it's going to be because of monetary policy. It's going to be for government actions. It's going to be for interest rates. It's going to be stuff outside of the, the natural supply and demand that would drive a market. And, and so my thing is, if that happens, it's going to be short-lived. Yeah. Because we're not in a housing bubble. If anything, we're in a people bubble. Right, and you can exactly. go down the whole, uh, you can go down the whole conspiracy theory thing, where you know <laughs> the, the economic wealth forum or whatever they're called, the World Economic Forum, you know, apparently their whole model or their idea is to reduce the population, and then you yeah, can knocking people off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you tie that to the pandemic, you can go really deep down that hole. It's kind of spooky, so I, I try to stay away from it. But I'm, yeah, it's like we are in a people bubble is what I was trying to get at, and you look at right now with millennials, the, the biggest adult population or the biggest adult generation that we have, you know, the peak age right now is 29 years old for the millennials. Well, the yeah. average first time home buyer is 31 years old. So we got at least two years, at least two of more demand in the housing market than we've ever seen before on this planet, ever. It's a fantastic so, time to be in real estate, man. Yes. 
I keep telling got, people. You got Gen Z right behind them. They're bigger than the millennials. Yep. People keep, people keep talking. I even saw a, a tweet from Elon Musk talking about how the, uh, the, the population percentage growth keeps declining, 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 right? It's like, well, maybe the, the, the growth percentage is declining, but the population is not declining. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you know, last, like you go back 50 years and we say we had 100 million people on the planet and you're growing at 20%. Okay, you're growing at 20%. But now we got 300 million people uh, in the United States, and now we're growing at 12%. Well, 12% of 300 million is a lot greater population growth than 20% of 100 million. That's right. You know what I mean? And when we're looking at it on a, you know, from a worldly standpoint, they say we just hit 8 billion people as well, man. So I'm not understanding how there is a population decline. Yeah. No, it's, you know? it's an issue. We got too many people. Yeah, man. So they got to live somewhere is the point. So either yep. they're going to buy houses from you or they're going to rent houses from you. If and we you don't have control, enough inventory. You got it. The secret is to controlling the supply. That's right. If you control the supply, the demand is built in. And I don't think there's better job security over the next 10, 15 years than being a real estate investor. That's right, man. So let's talk about some of the strategies, man. Like what, what do you feel is working best right now? Um, giving multiple options. You know, multiple options, multiple solutions for people. I think three uh, offers, three offers on one. Again, is that what you mean? Like three offers on one, uh, on one. You know, uh, disguising three offers in a, in a one offer. Yeah, I mean, it, it will eventually. My, the way I approach it, eventually can come to that. Mm -hmm. But I do present multiple options while I'm actually talking to the seller. Right. Because um, as as you kind of alluded to, there's a lot of equity in these houses right now. Yep. There's a ton. And, uh, you know, people selling at rapid, fast discounts, if that's your only strategy, you know, you're going to have to talk to a whole lot of people. You're going to have to have a massive marketing budget. You know what I mean? You're going to get a lot of rejection mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it'll still work. I mean, there's still people in distress. Life happens to people every single day and we'll sell their house fast at a discount. So it still happens. But you're leaving a whole lot of money, a whole lot of opportunity on the table if that's your only option for or your only solution for a seller. So do you feel like the foreclosure tsunami is the is the opportunity right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, you know, and we were talking about this too. Like you, we're yeah. hearing some of our associates, some of the, our peers, people that we know are, are kind of leveraging this giant foreclosure wave going to pounce on the, uh, on the economy. And every time I hear that, I'll open up someone's email. I was like, really? Okay, I, let me go check it out. And I go look at the stats. I was like, um... Did you guys look at the stats? It's not really happening, right? I think foreclosures just dropped a little bit. Yep. And yep. Uh, at the time where everyone's saying this, the other thing is they're saying, um, I saw someone send me an email with this huge spike in the inventory. Oh my God, the inventory is being flooded. There's all these houses for sale. Da, da, da. I was like, huh. I want to see the stats. <laughs> Let me go check this. And the, the <laughs> April report, so this was what, two months ago, for from the National Association of Realtors was there's 2.2 months of inventory on the market on the retail side wow that is like the lowest it's ever been yep you know and if we're going to expect a new inventory to hit the market we're just gonna have to wait for people to sell because the builders now four months in a row their confidence is coming down coming down coming down because they know the demand is there but they can't build the houses cheap enough to make a profit and now if they're, they're sucking all of the the money out of the system by raising the interest rates for those First time home buyers, second time home buyers, 
then the demand might be there, but they don't have the resources to buy the houses now. Right. So supply, man. And then if someone sells their house, they got they might not be selling their house because now they got to go find a new place to live. And if there's nothing on the market, right? So the demand, I mean, excuse me, the supply, it's it ain't gonna change that much anytime right. soon. Right, man. So obviously, you know, both of us, we agree, you know, there there's not gonna be a for foreclosure tsunami. We really can't, I can't see it. And it sounds like you can as well. So <laughs> There's a ton of equity in houses right now. What what investment strategy would you feel is going to work best right now? I think as, as it's always been, but it could potentially be even more because of the inflationary market that we're in right now, is buy and hold. Yep. Buy and hold, passive income investing, man. Yep. And to me, the best way to do that is to create opportunities. I mean, you could do bank lending. Obviously, the interest rates are relatively high, but are they? You know, they're not necessarily, they're not really that high. You know, if you're cash flowing on a property, the numbers, you know, the interest rate doesn't matter at that point. And then if you can create your own opportunities through, let's say, seller financing. Um, I mean, look, we're, we're, you know, I was just talking with a, with a friend of mine yesterday. He's just offering 20 years with, at 6, 6%. That's a fantastic uh, interest rate right now. Fant- fantastic mm-hmm. way to position yourself in real estate. So... If you look for these opportunities, you can create them, lease options, you know, things like that. Uh, to me, that's where the money is. And mm-hmm. there's a ton of opportunity for it right now. What do you yeah, think? I mean, there's not too many times in history where the CPI index, the inflation number, is higher than the interest rates. Yeah. So even at a 6 or 7%, with inflation at 86 you are effectively still at a net negative interest rate. Yep. Like money is still, they're still giving it away. <laughs> you know, it's like, and so the reason I'm even, I mean, I've always been a buy and hold, right? I've, I've flipped very few houses. I just, mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll flip contracts on houses that I don't want to hold, but my intent is to always hold everything. Same here. Um, but if you look at, uh, how real estate responds to inflation. First of all, the value, mm-hmm. because as our dollar purchasing power becomes less and less and less, it takes more of those dollars to buy houses. Right. So you, you're you secured that way and hedged against inflation in that regard. But look at what's happening to the rents, right? Because you in this type of environment, you have to get on the offense as far as generating income. You got to right. be, it's not, it's, this is not the time to play defense no. because you can't play enough defense to save yourself from the outside forces right now. You have to go into offense. Got to be aggressive. And, um, and the passive income from real estate, you know, here in Vegas, year over year, rents went up 43%. Mm-hmm. You know, pre-pandemic, we were projected maybe a 2.5-3% increase each year just to maintain with inflation. But now because of the the demand and now people are less fewer and fewer people can buy so they have to rent so now that whole bidding war thing is leaving like the real estate the purchase market and coming over to the rental market because they still need a roof over their head right right so if you've got real estate you're through the value you're hedged against inflation through the rents right now you could potentially thrive in this inflationary environment oh and then if you borrow other people's money to buy that asset Inflation works even more in your favor. Mm-hmm. This is how you win in this environment. If you're an employee, 
if we are on a fixed income, um, I feel bad for you. Like you have to do something different because you're, you're just going to find yourself in a worse and worse condition as long as this uh, inflation persists. Now, what about wholesaling, bro? I know we're we're both relatively uh, big buy and hold guys, but mm-hmm. what about wholesaling? Do you feel like that there's an opportunity there right now? Well, we all need cash, right? So yep. as far as investors go, we all need cash. So, and we need cash to run our business. We need cash to run our, our marketing and pay our bills and pay, take care of payroll. So I flip, I still flip properties for the cash, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can lock those properties up at a discount, there's still a whole lot of money in the system that's looking for a good deal. Like that hasn't disappeared. Right. Um, and I don't know if it'll completely disappear. It might pull back a little bit. But there's enough savvy, smart people like you, Jamel, that understand like, hey, this is real estate. It's my long-term wealth creation. This piece of property is at a discount. It takes a little bit of fixing up and I'll still be below market value. Yes, I want it. There's enough people in the market with money that have that type of thought process that yes, you can still wholesale properties, no problem. I think what a lot of people make the mistake of, and these are people that have been in the business for a while, but I I see it specifically people that are newer to the business, Mm -hmm. five years or less that they identify themselves with their exit strategy. You know, they call themselves a fix and flipper. You got to adjust, man. They call themselves <laughs> a wholesaler. Yep. Right? Yeah, I'm a, I'm the lease option guy. I'm the short-term rental person. Um, you identify as a real estate investor. That's right. And and I and really if you want to narrow that or whittle that down, I'm a deal finder. Mm-hmm. I go find deals and I put them under contract. That's what I do. Now, what the real investor would do, once you've got that part taken care of, now you can go ahead and start calculating what's the best way to exit from this? What's the best way to profit from this? Mm-hmm. Right? But if you just focus on finding the deal and locking up under contract, that's your job. That's what you should be focused on. That's right, man. And some of those properties, I'm like, hey, this might be a good fix and flip. I have a home run here sitting on my plate. And I don't do very many of those, but if it happens, then I'm prepared to do it. Um, you know what? This is something I want to hold. This is going to be a great rental. This is going to be, it's got a great location. It'll be a good short-term rental. Yep. Um, this is a great property. I don't really want this. I don't want to manage property in this area, but I know the inventory on the retail side is really low. So I'm just going to clean it up and I'll list it with a real estate agent, put on a multiple listing service and sell it via seller financing. Now I could be a financer, right? Or you know what? This is a piece of crap. Let's get it off my desk and I'm just going to flip the paper to someone else. You know, it's funny, man, because that's exactly what I teach my coaching students. We're transactional engineers, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So we we don't look at – so there's different opportunities for every lead that comes in. So we look at the lead, we look at the opportunity it presents, and then we adjust according to what, what what's happening on that particular deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's exactly what you said. Real estate investing, we're not wholesalers. We're not fixing flippers. We're investors – and we're looking for opportunities to be able to take um, that opportunity from the deal and create a situation where we can be profitable and it can be a win for the seller as well. So mm-hmm. that's what we do as real estate investors. Yep. You know, we look for distress, obviously. We look to create an opportunity out of the distress and we make sure everybody in a any opportunity is gonna win mm-hmm. and then we become profitable. As real estate investors, that's exactly what we do, man. There's always opportunity. That's the point of this particular podcast, right? So mm-hmm. whether we're going to have a foreclosure tsunami or not, I don't believe it's going to happen. 
I believe there's always opportunity as long as you know how to create the opportunity. And that's why you're watching this podcast or listening to it. That's why you continue to educate yourself. But more so than education, you got to do it. You got to take action. You got to be able to apply this information. And if you don't know how to do it, Matt mentioned earlier today, he spent $22,000. I'm not telling you to go do that, but I'm, te- I'm telling you, if you want to skip the learning curve, right now is the time to do it. You should have done it two years ago. But right now is the opportunity to be able to have somebody show you how to do it so that you can really take advantage of what's happening right now. Yep, yep. So you, you want to provide them with you know a three to five step process to get started and really be able to capitalize on this market? Well, here's things that your, your business, like you got to get started, right? And I'm, I'm actually working with a, a group of clients right now of helping them get their first deal done. And I'm restarting my business um, as well. So I'm going right along. I'm, I'm in my own program right with them and I'm doing it with them and leading by example and demonstration. And we talked about on session one, which was this Tuesday, we're gonna have session two here a couple hours after we're done. But the first thing is you have to know why you're doing this in the first place, right? Because real estate, it's, it's not complicated. It can be very simple, but it takes persistence. It takes consistency. Mm-hmm. And you have to find the reason why you're doing this in the first place. If you're, if you're just going to go dip your toe in the water to say, I heard somebody made some money on this. I'm going to go give it a shot. If that's your why, then you should just stop, not even start. Go find something else to do. Job market's very good right now. That's probably the best option for you. But So you have to be really committed to it and understand why you're doing it. And I, I would say suggest as if your life depends on it as if what's most important to you depends on it. Mm. Um, because, you know, a lot of people right now are, are sacrificing what they want most for what they want right now. Mm. And most people, they want financial freedom. They want financial independence. That's what they want most. They don't want to report to the job. They want to be free from the shackles of that nine to five. They want to escape the rat race. That's what they want most. But you know what, today I'm tired, I'm gonna take a nap. That's what they want right now. You know what I mean? Or, you know what, I don't know if I have all the answers, I'm gonna go search for some more answers. Or I'm gonna go get some validation that I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing, or whatever it may be, I'm just, you know what, I haven't treated myself to a good movie lately. All these types of things, we, we sacrifice what we want most for what we want right now. So you gotta know why you're doing this. And the other reason, when I say as if your life depends on it, or as what what's most important to you that depends on it, and I get really direct with some of my students. I said, if there was a gun to your family's head and the only way that you could save them was by getting a signed contract today, what would you do? Go get a contract. <laughs> yeah, you're, gonna, you're not going to sit there, gosh, I can't find the right YouTube channel that has the answer, right? You're going to go make it happen, man. You're going to go make it happen. And I put it that way because that specific question, it ignites resourcefulness. Right. And as an entrepreneur... That's what's real. It's not your resources that are going to cause you to excel. It's going to be your resourcefulness. You know, Tony Robbins says, you know, when people are faced with the decision between success and death, they choose success. So I always frame it that way. So I found that to be very powerful. The second thing is you got to start treating it like a real business, right? If you, if, if you treat it like a hobby, it's going to pay you like a hobby. If you treat it like a business, it will treat you like a business. So, so take it seriously. You know, as we have all had jobs before, 
We reported to that job every single day because that boss was going to fire us unless we did. When people come to go take this on as their source of income, they don't have anybody to report to. They're reporting to themselves. Right. They're excited to be their own boss, but they forget that they got to be their own employee at first also. So you got to retreat it like a real business. The second thing you need for this to even work is you need a steady flow of leads. And there's so many different ways to generate them. Uh, but the leads are the fuel that runs the engine of your business. And the That's more right. leads that you got, the more opportunity you're going to have, obviously, but also the better that your negotiations are going to be. And I think that's really underestimated because when you have a bunch of, if you just have like one lead that you're working today and you're going to be like grinding and, and trying to, to um, get that contract signed and get that seller down to as low as possible and they're not going to cooperate and you're going to get all frustrated, then you might start compromising your standards because you need this deal. You, you need leads for your business, but you don't need any one single lead. And if you got a lot of leads and you know that this one's not working out with this seller, it's so much easier to walk away and go to talk to the next one. Mm -hmm. Because when you're afraid to walk away, you've already lost. So you need a lot of leads, so you're not afraid to walk away. So you need leads for the opportunity, you need leads that creates better uh, negotiation. So the way to generate leads, I mean, you can work for them or you can pay for them. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I've done it both ways. I got started working for them. I, they didn't, we didn't have all these fancy little gimmicks and gadgets and, and marketing strategies. We didn't, they didn't have the internet when I got started, really. Yep. So I only knew one way to work for it was to work for them. But now you can pay for them. I, I just went to uh, hired my first cold calling VA. In fact, I have the onboarding session right after this. I get to hire my okay. first VA. That's just going to cold call and send text messages for me all day long, eight hours a day. And it's going to be it's going to cost me less than what my direct mail campaign costs. One of them cost me well per uh, I, I pay six dollars an hour. So they work. Yeah, man. I mean, they, they literally call it, it. He works for me five hours a day. It's costing him like 130 bucks a week. It's like just to generate leads, man. I mean, you can't. And I and I have multiple of them, obviously, to continue generating leads. But the whole point is, if you could pay somebody 125 dollars a week to work for you, would you do it? You know, to free up your time, to mm -hmm. only bring you qualified leads, people yep. that they've already sourced, they've already said, okay, this person wants to sell. I mean, it just makes it that much easier for your business, you know? Yep. So yeah, you got to have your why. Treat it like a business. You need a steady flow of leads. So there's three. The fourth thing would be, and I think this is the most underrated aspect of the entire business, is you need a good conversion process. Yep. You have to be able to take that lead and convert it into a contract. And that's where the real skill is. I, I listened to, uh, I heard Pace Morby. Well, I'm just, I'm falling in love with, dude. He's so good. Yeah, he's a good guy, man. Totally, totally. And, but he, he had a phrase. He said something like, you know, the deals aren't scarce. The skill to capture those deals are. Mm. And I was like, oh, God, so, because, I mean, the reason I like him is the same reason I like you so much, Jamal, uh, is that we think so much alike. Mm. And we, we approach this business in so, so much alike. And, um. You know, that I always tell people, I say, you know, it's easy to generate leads. It's easy to find the money. But how do you convert the contract here in the middle is the part that everybody's missing and the, the part that everybody kind of ignores. Yep. You know, you've got to take that lead and convert it to a contract. That's where the skill is. 
And the only way to develop a, a, a skill is to do it over and over through massive repetition. The example I give here at our summits, I was like, you look at LeBron James, you know, arguably, you know, the best of our generation at post uh, Jordan, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, but does he still go to practice today? Every day. Every day. He's still practicing his free throws. He's still practicing the jump shots. And I tell, tell people, I was like, if you approached your lead conversion process as the same skill in the same manner that LeBron James does, your earning potential is greater than his. And like, whoa, that's a bold statement or whatever. And I'm like, no, but really, I mean, he's on the he's on the Lakers. The Lakers yeah. give him a paycheck. Who what, what do the owners of the Lakers do? The Bus family made all their money in real estate. Right. LeBron James works for them because they're real estate investors. So I tell people just to, to treat this like, you know, like just the same way you practice the piano, you practice your golf swing or juggling three tennis balls, even tying your shoe. You had to do it over and over and over until you got it right, until it became second nature, just the way that uh, LeBron James is the is like great with his his basketball game. Just to add to that, I was watching Steph Curry. So he yeah. has he's the probably arguably the greatest three point shooter of all time, right? So he is the best, right? I don't I think watched, you can argue it anymore. Yeah, yep. I watched him hit 106 three pointers in a row on a video. Crazy. They just won the championship what two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. And I watched another video of him just this past weekend. He was in an amusement park, still shooting. I mean, a guy just, he's constantly shooting. So it's just a repetitiveness. That's how you become great. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So just wanted to add that, add that in there, man, because it was really fitting in what you're talking about. You know what I mean? But he holds the record for the most three-pointers, and he still practices them. Yeah, that's my point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. So you need that lead-to-contract conversion process. And then you need the contract to profit process. Mm -hmm. so Those are both two parts of the conversion process. Lead the contract and then contract to profit. But that second part, the contract to profit, is really, really easy. It takes care of itself if you get the lead to contract part done right. Yeah. So that's where this business is at. And that's the part that looks like work. And that's the part that people try to ignore. They try to avoid or they just save that for last or they treat it as, you know, too far down the priority list that uh, they struggle. But and I'm glad you, you, you I'm glad you mentioned that it takes repetitiveness in order to become great at you know negotiation because you, technically negotiation is an internal skill, right? You really can't teach it. You could tell people what to say, but you almost have to do it in order to to really get good at it. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, you can't that's why you don't see too many people. You have negotiation courses out there. You could understand the art of negotiation, but mm -hmm. in order to get really good at negotiation, you have to do it. Yep. You have to just practice and practice and practice. Practice yep. those free throws. Yep. Right? And then like Steph, he had 106 three three pointers in a row. You could do that too with repetition. Love that, man. Love it. Yeah, it's stuff. a skill like anything else. You can learn it. Yep. Skill, man. You know, and everybody out there everybody on this planet is good at something right now they're right. really good at something at one point they weren't good at it at all right right but they went through a process of this repetition and they got really good at it and then, so i know anyone can do this business because they've already done it with something else right you just have to take it um take that type of practice that type of mindset to this and uh you know you essentially become a cash register you can write your own checks that's right man Matt Terrio, man, 
It's been a pleasure. I got to have you back on this podcast, bro. Sure. I got to have you back. It's been too long. Yeah, man. Where can our listeners, I, I know we mentioned it in the beginning, but where can they find you on social media? Yeah, so I'm, uh, we, we just fancied up our new website at epicrealestate.com. Uh, I'm not on Instagram. They kicked me off over there, and I'm not sure why. But Yeah, I'm trying on- to figure that out, man. Why, why did they... <laughs> I don't talk about politics. I wasn't talking about COVID, but they said I violated their terms and policies, and I have no idea what they are. And I asked, and they said, here, read this document. And I was like, "Um, that's like 17 pages of their terms and policies. I got to figure out which one I I (laughs) I was like, okay, I'm not on Instagram. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm doing something right now, which might be interesting. I I was sharing with you how I am restarting my business. I do this every 90 days, but I haven't done it in about a year. Mm-hmm. So I'm restarting it again, where I just go back to the basics. I'm taking a bunch of investors along with me. They're doing it with me. We're calling it the Legends Challenge. And the goal is to get a contract signed in 10 days or less. And That's we just started it yesterday. I don't know when this is actually going to air. But it's not too late. You can still join us if you'd like, because all of the sessions have been recorded. It just goes for three and a half weeks. And um, if you complete all the work, then your entire pledge is given right back to you. So if you do the work and don't get the result, then I don't feel I need I, I deserve the 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 privilege to keep it from you. So I just give it right, right back to you. Yeah, man. Um, so if you want to join us, you want to see what that looks like, you can go to thelegendschallenge.com. Thelegendschallenge.com. That's pretty dope, man. I like that. And then you're doing it with them. So Yeah, totally. I'm, it's, it's, I'm teaching and I'm educating, but I'm doing probably 75, 80% of it by uh, by demonstration. And I'm, I'm showing them how to get it to a certain point. And I was like, get it to this point and then bring me in on it and I'll close it for you. That's it. Yeah. That's what I do a lot with my coaching students, man. I'll, I'll have them, I'll teach them how to get the deals, mm-hmm. get the deals. I'll show you how to close it. And that's yep. it, man. That's yep. how you make money. Love For it, sure. man. Love it. Good stuff, man. Are you reading any, any special books right now? <laughs> Let's see. I am, uh, I am actually and this one is um pretty funny. Um, it's called. It's in my thingy here. There's one I was really into. That's uh. Hold on, stay with me. Who, not how. Mm. Right. So every time you want to get something done, a human being's natural inclination is like, how do I do it? Right. Well, this whole book talks about rather than how do you do it, it's start thinking about who can do it for you. Right. And so that one was really good. But I got into this um, this one by Dr. Joe Dispenza, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Mm. And um, that one's really interesting because, you know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, right? And that's all a part of us. And just imagine there was, there was a question asked that what's the one thing about your business that you absolutely hate, right? So I was like, oh, that's easy, this. And uh Imagine what your business would look like if that was your favorite part. How would you approach it? How would you do it? And um, that whole thing—that's kind of that's one of the little exercises of breaking the habit of being yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say in seven days, the, the results have been remarkable. I was like, I'm just going to pretend wow. to love it. I love it. I love it. This is how I do it. And so it's pretty cool. So th- those are the two things I'm reading right now. So, so you find you find that that that's been uh, that's been really effective for you. Yeah, well, I'll give you an example. Um, I hate it when I get calls on my phone that aren't in my database, uh-huh. right? Like, I don't know who it is. It's an anonymous caller. 
I'm like, I don't got time for this. <laughs> like, I don't want to talk to nobody. Someone's going to sell me something. It's going to be spam or something like that. <laughs> so I hate that part. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to fall in love with the phone and just answering it as fast as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's turned into a couple deals in, in seven days. And wow, like, man. Look at that. I was like, gosh, I've been this. This has been my habit for six or seven years. Right. And uh, how many deals have I passed, my, passed up on? <laughs> oh, man. You know? Man. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's just an example. That's good stuff, man. Yep. If you had to provide our listeners with some last words of advice, man, what would what would those words be? Mm. I'm going to make it very timely for the, the economy that we're in right now. Um, this is not the time to play defense. Mm. Defense is going to make you poor right now. You need to play offense. You need to be income-focused. If you're working a nine-to-five, you need a side gig. You need a side hustle. If uh, you are an entrepreneur, you better, you got to ramp it up. You got to really ramp it up and play all out. Because I don't know how this thing is going to last, how long it's going to last, what we're going through. Um, most people are saying a year or two. I actually don't think it'll be that long because I don't think the government and, and the elections are going to allow that to happen that way. But if it does, I mean, we all said, you know, it was 14 days to flatten the curve and here we are three years later, right? <laughs> so who, who knows? We can't predict. But I know no one's going to be hurt. No one's going to have any regrets by going on the offense and focusing on income. And if, if you don't know how to do it, this is a great time. If you're going to make any investment, you should be making the investment in yourself right now and learning how to do that. Sitting on the sidelines waiting for this thing to blow over is going to be a, um, I, I think it could be a very painful experience. And in two or three years down the road, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, that guy told me on the podcast not to do this and I did it. That's what I'm thinking. So those are my final words. Love it, man. Love it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I, you know, I have the same sentiment, obviously. We think a lot alike, man. And um, that's exactly why I wanted to... I've been trying to get you on this podcast forever, man. <laughs> but I'm happy we're here now. It's yep. not going to be the first one, man. This is the 99th episode of this Business and Investing podcast. Oh, congrats. Who's number 100? I don't even know yet. <laughs> I don't even know yet, man. All right. But, well, uh, congrats, man. Yeah, 99 episodes in, man. This has been a fantastic one. Uh, definitely one of my favorites. And um, definitely check out Matt Terriel on Epic Real Estate Investing on YouTube. Check him out on TikTok now. Yeah. Uh, and, and make sure you check out that challenge that he's running right now. TheLegendsChallenge.com. Yep. TheLegendsChallenge.com. If you want to learn how to take action, uh, and if it doesn't work for you, then hey, it just doesn't work. Um, Matt's gonna return yeah. the investment. We have it. It's, it's the uh, completion reward. So if you complete the program in three and a half weeks, you get it all back. You see? Yeah. So you literally learn while you earn. And you know, if you don't succeed at something like that, it's really nobody's fault but your own. You got to mm-hmm. take action. You got to sure. do something. You got to. Not wait on the sidelines for this thing to blow over, like Matt said. Right now is the opportunity. The market is just right for investors like yourself. For sure. And in order for you to really be able to take it to the next level, really take advantage of this market that we're in right now, you got to do something. So hope you guys benefited from this podcast today. Matt, it's been a real pleasure having you, brother. Looking forward to having you again. Pleasure and I'll see you guys in the next one. Yep. All right. Peace. Take care.